What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. Um, this week, it's just going to be me and Hunter Davidson at Tech Hoops Guy on Twitter. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, basketball season so far and then what to expect during this uh, big week uh, coming up where the Tech basketball team plays uh, Texas and Baylor. Uh, so we're going to be answering your questions and just previewing those games. So let's get to it. All right, here we go. We're going to do a little tech basketball preview with Tech Hoops guy on Twitter, Hunter Davidson. Um, we asked for some questions real quick before this started. So if we don't get to yours in time, sorry, but we'll do one, another one of these, I'm sure, again. But before we get to those questions, Hunter, I just wanted to ask you what you've made of kind of what's happened since the last time we talked. I know, you know, the last time we were struggling offensively, trying to work in new pieces, uh, we had lost to Houston, I believe, and it looked pretty ugly. It just it, it didn't look good, um, you know. And since then, we've had more some more bad news, but also have won some more games. So I don't know what, what's kind of your state of the basketball program addressed, you know, from your perspective. Well, I'm optimistic still, and yeah, I just think um, we're on a good track, right? I guess if that's the best way to put it, we're yeah. we're still trending the right way. And, have the ability to be playing, you know, pretty good uh, when it matters in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, Cause so conference games only, you know, I was, was telling you, I guess sent you a text message and for as much angst as some of our fans have about our offense, um, you know, we've scored the second most points per possession in big 12 games thus yeah. far through five games and have played some pretty, like pretty good defenses. Like, pretty much everybody in, that's in the middle of the pack. And now we're not shooting very well. And yeah. that's, that's pretty much what matters. Like if you, when you shoot well, everything is great. And when you don't, things aren't going that well. But, but for us, we've been, you know, we're doing some things that tend to be kind of predictive. Like shooting is not, you know, mm-hmm. one day you're going to make 60%. The next day you're going to make 20%. But we're um, like taking really good care of the basketball. You know, like we have the lowest turnover percentage in the conference by like a, a pretty significant margin. And then we get to the free throw line a ton and we're making a lot of free throws. We have the, yeah. the best free throw percentage in the conference in conference games. So, so despite <laughs> the fact that we're, you know, like we have the seventh worst um, like field goal percentage, we're scoring the second most points per possession. And the reason is because we take good care of the ball. Yeah. We're getting to the free throw line. Uh, and so, and we're, and we, we rebound, we have pretty good offensive rebounders too. So if we can just get a little bit of like positive regression, you know, on our shooting, uh, these other things like taking care of the ball and getting to the free throw line, those things tend to stay consistent. If they do, if we're the best, best team in the conference, they get to the line, we're the best at taking care of the basketball and we're middle of the pack to above average shooting team. We're going to be really, really good eventually. So I'm, you know, I'm still optimistic kind of where we're headed. Now this week will be, kind of a big test, right? Right. Yeah. And I guess one thing, a couple of things before we move on to this week, first thing, you know, just talking about the offense, I guess my, what do do you make of, yes, the offensive statistics are better than we think, but is part of that because we, we can't necessarily, you know, get points when we need them type deal. Does that make sense? Like, it seems like, it's our struggles are highlighted in late games. So it feels like our offense isn't as good as it actually is, you know, missed free throws late in games, scoring droughts late in games. Is that part of the reason maybe we're not happy with the offense, even though it's statistically pretty solid? Probably. And this may not answer your question, but it does kind of, some of the things that we're good at, you know, we're, we're really good in transition. We, we get, we run. And, yeah. and I don't know if you noticed when we get some of these, uh, like in the last couple of games, uh, defensive rebound in like within three seconds, we have posted up Marcus Santa Silva 
Mm-hmm. And he's already – and then, like, two seconds later, he's kicked it out to, like, a corner three, a wide-open yeah. guy. Yeah. It's like I've been watching Tech basketball a long time and been watching Chris Beard teams, and I've never really seen that. Like, we've never been – it's kind of like a Michigan State thing. Like, get the rebound, sprint down, and post someone up. Like, yeah. that yeah. quickly. It's – it's um, in when we're doing that, things like that, everything do, does look good. Yeah. But the, the problem is – for these teams this week or for some of the games you're talking about or, or thinking of like U of H Kansas, when we play teams that are super, super athletic, like as athletic as us, it's just not as easy. You know, we're, we're not, we can't um, just get out and run the way we can or have on some of these other teams or some of these uh, like attack the glass the same way. Right. And, you know, so I, you know, I think there is some of what, what you're saying is, um, we're all kind of focusing in and highlighting on these games where we're playing, you know, like literally some of the best defensive teams in the country, you yeah. know, and we we don't look that good. Right. And yeah, we're not going to, um, but maybe we haven't looked as good as we should, but we've also just shot, you know, this game, Houston and Kansas, we shot so bad yeah. in those games. It's just, there's not much you can do. Even if you're running great offense, you still got to make jump shots. Right. And, and that, and we are that team. I mean, we, when we're going to play good teams, we got to make jump shots in the half court. Mm. Like we're not going to be able to just beat Texas or Baylor by transition and offensive rebounds and just being like so athletic they can't guard us off the dribble. Yeah. You know, one thing that I liked against Iowa State, and it it's almost like that point after it's no longer a transition basket, but it's also the defense isn't quite set. It seemed like there were a bunch of like first second pass shots like and they went in against Iowa State and maybe that's the thing but it just seems like some of the things that sometimes it drives me nuts watching this offense sometimes when it's like we pass up good shots for great shots and I just want like a good shooter like Kyler to take a mildly contested shot when you have it like just take it that might be the best shot you get in that 30 seconds and it seemed like we were doing that against Iowa State it was like one pass it's a pretty good shot shoot it and I don't know if it almost felt like that kind of helped the offense a little bit when that wasn't there, then you could run some sets, but it's not, that wasn't all you were doing. It'd be interesting just to know like first 10 seconds of the shot clock. It just seemed like last game was, I don't know, really good compared to waiting to get a better shot. Yeah. Well, I could look that up. It's right here. We definitely, yeah. Well, we shot out of our minds in that game. Right. I would say. And yeah. It may not be a good one to look at, but yeah, especially in the first half. Yeah. It's just, um, but you know, I don't know if you hear – without the crowds, you can. But uh, the bench will start yelling red uh, when, the, when the shot clock gets to 10 seconds. Yeah. And, yeah, I, th- I think they have it kind of like first 10 seconds are kind of green, middle 10 or yellow, and the, the last 10 is red. You know, mm-hmm. and the, the bench, you know, we call out those things. So, like, whoever has the ball knows – if I've got the, you know, if it's red, I'm taking this shot. I may not take that shot if it was a yellow right. in the middle of the clock or a green in the first part. Yeah. Um, so you, you can kind of hear those things, you know, from the bench until, like, when, when a guy has the ball, if he's about to be taking a shot, he may not take otherwise. Right. And also, you know, Beard runs – Beard is a numbers guy, you know, and he does passes. He, he runs the numbers, and for, for he has come to the conclusion that, you know, X number of passes equals – a better possession historically. Right. And so now I kind of hear what you're saying, like making a pass just to make a pass, that mm-hmm. doesn't seem that productive. But, right. I mean, you can hear our bench calling out passes too yeah. during the yeah. games. Well, um, and who, who was it that did the – was it the color commentator that this week, the Baylor guy? Do you remember his name? Yeah, King McClure. Yeah. He, he said during the game, like, he was talking about how difficult the motion offense was to defend because of its randomness. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know if a lot of people, especially on Red Raider sports would necessarily agree with that because sometimes it look it doesn't look pretty, but it was interesting to hear somebody who played against this version of that offense to say that it was difficult to defend. I don't know that he may have just been talking, but it, it made me feel better about what we do. I would love to hear, yeah, Beard says he runs a motion, and we do. Yeah. But we, we run a lot of sets, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we almost kind of like like use the motion 
to get into sets mm -hmm. and that like to kind of disguise our sets if that yeah. makes sense you know yeah. like as opposed to just running down and like holding up one and then running the play right you know we have some things we do ordinarily through running the motion and we'll do those things and then like halfway through is when our this action is initiated that we've been right. trying to do all along right and so like sometimes you'll hear you'll see people like you know when we make a cut we're not really like making a cut real hard or throwing to that guy. It's, and it's probably because the play's not intended to really do that. You know, right. like we're, we're waiting for something else that's about to initiate this like ball screen for yeah. Mac, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause it, you know, we, we, we do a lot of isolation like drives and McClung and, and now with Marcus Santos Silva, we're like really throwing into the post a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's from the last time we talked, we were, at that time we were still kind of trying to set up an offense through through him and it wasn't yeah. really working that well at the time but we were kind of talking you know like beard sees something here you know yeah, he, yeah. he wants to do this for a reason and in the last couple of games i've seen it i mean number one marcus is is really good around the yeah. basket like mm -hmm. he's one of the best in the country right now yeah, i think he's skilled. 35 of 50 shots around the basket which is one of the like it's like top 10 in the country mm -hmm. But he's also like, as soon as he gets the ball, he's trying to pass it, and he's trying to pass it to a, someone to shoot a three. Yeah, and it's like, you know, that's kind of an NBA element to that. Get in the yeah. paint, pass it out, and shoot a three. Definitely. Now it's just a matter of of us making these because we just right. we still have not like as a whole, you know, we're not shooting very well. Yeah. Our, our numbers just aren't that good, and it's they're so bad that it's like, you just can't be the real number. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you're you know you we're going to, when the season plays out, I think, you know, we'll get to our real quote unquote real number. It's going to be a lot higher than what we're currently shooting. It's just, right. you got to get there. I hope you're right. I get worried when I see you guys, cause I just don't think PV is going to be a shooter. Just, no, he's not. You know? And, and, and so I, I, if he's going to play heavy minutes, I just, I don't know. I, I agree that the shooting has to get better, but it's like some guys, they just aren't. And so I, I don't know how much, what the ceiling on that number is basically. But with PV, I did like they used him when I was taking into that zone. They used him in the middle and his aggressiveness in the middle of that zone, just getting the ball and like, I'm going to go to the basket. And he did it a few times and it was like, that's what he needs to do. Like, there it is. Like, we just saw it. And it was, sure. it was nice to see him used effectively offensively. And on the glass, yeah. I was looking. Yeah. Um, PV has 10 offensive putbacks this year, which is would lead Tech. And would lead Texas besides Greg Brown. Right. You know, Greg that, Brown's just a freak athlete. So that's a Zaire Smith type. Yeah, Phoebe is right there with Greg Brown, just in terms right. of getting like production off the glass. He's he's a factor, and yeah. so is Shannon. And then Very active. But the problem is when you play Baylor and you play Texas, they are so they're just like us. I mean, mm -hmm. they've got these perimeter guys that they're all really good and they're all really athletic, and it's kind of it's like you know, strength on strength in, in some sense. So it kind of negates right. a lot of the things that we do successfully are kind of negated by the personnel yeah. of these teams. Right. And that's why you got to make jump shots. Yeah. <laughs> that makes everything look a lot better. All right. Last thing before we get into this week and the questions, um, pretty big news. Your only McDonald's all American leaves the program 12 games in, you know, and this is after in Tomway leaves. So you have two guys leave during a season, which is, unusual like we were talking about before we got on here and you know lots of speculation you know it's you know the first time for a lot of people that you kind of you know wonder like what are we doing here you know like <laughs> maybe question start questioning the basketball program under beard for the first time or just those maybe not questioning but those questions you know just popping into your mind um you know and i know you had a interesting experience on twitter that may explain you know, some of, some of the reasons why the transfer happened. <laughs> I don't know if you want to get into that. Cause I know you were, you were just tweeting about it and all of a sudden you had, a, was it a family member in your mentions <laughs> blowing you up? I don't, that, I don't know who that guy was, but I had been looking, you know, Namari has uh, I call it a camp. You know, he's yeah. got like a lot of people in his, in his corner. Yeah. People from like Chicago uh, and family members. And I, I think some of them are like skills trainer type people. Yeah, like coaches that Namari's worked with like over the years, and uh, these people, a couple of them, were just very vocal throughout the season. You know, yeah. on on Namari, like not playing that that much, or you know, like decisions that we would make personnel wise, or 
critical of like some of our players about not passing the ball to Namari, I guess. Yeah. And so, you know, when I uh, saw that he was transferring, the first thing I did was go and look at some of those, those people. And yeah. I saw, and I happened to see one from this guy who claims, referred to him as an, as his nephew. I don't really think they're related, but um, definitely knows him and was, you know, saying we're going to come save you from, this quote unquote jail you're in. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, so with Namari, I, he, he came out and was like a top 30 player and was on some draft boards. I don't know the answer to this question. If you're a kind of a fringe NBA guy out of high school and um, <clears throat> you know, you need to go to college and just and play maybe well or to, to be drafted like in the Jemias range, or play really well to be drafted in the first round, mm-hmm. you know, and when you, and you go to college, if you aren't playing a lot and you're not playing really well in the minutes you're getting, um, like how bad does that really hurt you? Yeah. I know it means you're probably not going to be drafted the next year, yeah. but does it like permanently like make you this just non, not very good at basketball. And, and to me, that is like the impression that I got from his camp. Like right. it was as if they had, done all this stuff before college to put him in a position to be like a fringe one and done guy. Yeah. And just the, the mere fact that he was sitting on our bench only playing 18 minutes, which is a lot, you know, yeah. um, but playing 18 minutes that it somehow was hurting him to do that. Like he's better off not playing than playing 18 minutes. And yeah. to, maybe that's true. It doesn't make any sense to me that it would be, but cause you're either going to, you're either good enough to go or you're not, they're going to figure it out eventually. And if you're not good enough now, it doesn't mean you, you won't be in a year or two, right. or two years from now. But for whatever reason, you know, his, his camp apparently, you know, like made the decision that uh, he was better off just kind of sitting here, sitting out the rest of the year. Like that would help him from his like draft potential standpoint rather than just trying to play it out. And you never know. I mean, he might have been playing 30 minutes a game by the end of the year and playing right. so well that we make a deep run and he, he goes anyway. Desire but, Smith. Somebody in his camp took offense to uh, my critique of their um, constant, like, tweeting at him, like, at Namari, like, throughout the whole year. Yeah. Saying these, like, they're super negative things. You know, it's just, I can't imagine it's a, it was a positive for him to hear all this, like, chirping in his ear about right. how much his draft stock was plummeting or how bad of a situation he was in. Yeah. So, I, you know. Just kind of gives some context to what he was dealing with. It's unfortunate for sure because he, he's a good, he's a great player. I yeah. mean, he started out shoot, shooting really bad, and we, we we talk a lot about shooting in, in numbers and how the way you shoot doesn't on paper doesn't mean you're a bad or great shooter. I mean, I think he'd taken like fifty jump shots. You know, like you just don't you can't you, you can't tell if someone's a good shooter or not based on fifty jump shots. Yeah, in my opinion. No, so, yeah, it's a small sample size. I'm like what? And Would have liked to have seen him play it out, you know, yeah. play the season out. Right. And as far as the NBA goes, it's such a weird draft because it's nearly all on potential. You know, the older you are, the more we know about you, the, the later you go, almost always. And so I can't imagine unless he just blows it up at some camp or some, you know, I don't, I don't know that he would be drafted after what we've seen, but a lot of times the unknown is better than the known. And, and maybe, and that, that's what I'm saying. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong about, about that, that yeah. just pulling the plug and, and kind of having the question remain like, right. Yeah. How good is he? You know, maybe that's better than there being an answer of, well, he, he might be good, but he's not good enough to play 30 minutes on this tech team. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like level has said several times. It's just unfortunate for everybody. You know, it's not good for tech to lose that guy it's not good for him to not be playing basketball so it's just it's just an unfortunate situation so anyway well, well, but before we get off on yeah. that, i will say you know like if you look at beard's rosters he never has the full allotment of scholarship guys available and <clears throat> there's he always has someone redshirting like a sit-out transfer yeah and oftentimes he's got someone redshirting and he's got kind of like an, an extra scholarship just hanging in the balance, like um, the one that, uh, like the team, the Final Four team that Kevin McCuller was right. added. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And so this year we had the 
nobody redshirting because it was pointless. Yeah. And he had the, he actually had the full allotment of scholarships there, probably by design because, you know, there is that thing, COVID, where people <laughs> just go in and out. So it probably made sense to have a full roster this year. Yeah. But the reason why I think Beard does not like to have one is for this reason. So you don't have an issue with trying to get everyone minutes and right. trying to manage, you know, that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about that a lot preseason. Like, how is that going to work? There's so many guys who need minutes. Like, we were wondering what it was going to look like. And now – and I think the consensus was it'll take care of itself. And <laughs> maybe not the way we wanted, but here we are. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Um, all right. So, let's look at this week. Uh, before we get to the questions, you know, we were just talking. <clears throat> so, we've got Texas on um, Wednesday. And then Baylor later in the week in it. And you, you'd sent the text that maybe, maybe sums it up, but Texas is really good. is <laughs> what you said. <laughs> so what yeah. do you mean by that? Well, they're really good. So, and this is another thing that, uh, you know, these teams in the conference, Texas, maybe not as much as Baylor, but still they're starting to look in a scary way, just in the sense that they're, right they can be positionless and they can, right. they can put five guys on the floor that are, they can all dribble pass, shoot and defend one through five. Yeah. And um, so that is concerning just because you, you, when they look like us and they've got athletes that are as good as ours, or maybe better, who knows, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup. And yeah. that's, you know, a lot of the stuff for Texas and Baylor is kind of can be the same. Like they're, we, they're dominated by these guards play yeah and kind of like a like a trio of guys yeah. and they're all unbelievable defenders and they for the most part can all shoot um but we've got to keep you know got to keep texas out of transition they are like about maybe a third of their attempts are in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock um on synergy which charts games for coaches it has like 20% of their shots are quote unquote transition shots, which is a pretty high amount, but they're also just like really effective. Like they're, they're dunking it or something. They're, they're taking shots that are really high, you know, high percentage looks. So, and that's one thing, keeping teams out of transition, a Mark, Mark Adams, Chris Beard, that's what they do. I mean, if they don't want you to be in transition, you typically don't get in transition against us. Right. And now there's probably a, a, uh, a drawback to that, or there's a trade-off, which might be us playing a little slower offensively, or just maybe not getting on the offensive glass as much um, in order to keep them out of transition. Yeah. So it's kind of like a balance there. Like if, you know, if we slow the ball down and have trouble scoring, and if we are not making jump shots, which means we need to attack the glass to score. Well, if we aren't doing those things, at a high rate or we're intentionally not doing it to keep them at a transition, you know, there's a balance. You got to figure out the perfect balance there of like running good offense and scoring in transition ourselves and sending, sending guys to the glass, uh, you know, to, to try to get putbacks, but also keep Paylor and Texas at a transition because, because they'll kill us. I mean, I say that we're, we have the t- we have the type of guys that can play like an up and down game. I think, yeah, you know, yeah. with pretty much anyone, as long as we're but, making shots, like we've yeah. discussed. So that that'll be interesting. You know, they um, they've got two big guys. Texas does. Um, they're bigger than Baylor. You know, Baylor plays. People talk about Baylor, and it, like they have in their head like the old Scott Drew teams where they play zone and they have like just four or five centers that they rotate in and out, and it's just not really like that anymore. Yeah, they play a lot of small, quote unquote small, because they're not really that small. But they play play five all day. Yeah, they they play a lot of guards. Yeah. Well, Texas has two legit centers, you know, and they're both really really good. Um, the Jericho Sims, that Kai Jones. Um, so you know, I think we'll see us defend those guys like we have historically when we're undersized and and trying to defend you know like post guys with like perimeter defense and trying to deny entry passes um and stuff like that but uh 
I don't think that that's going to like where the game's going to be decided. And it, whereas I think if you ask the average tech fan, it's like, Oh, our size versus Texas and Baylor. It's just, we have no, you know, that's where it's going to be decided. I, I really don't. It's just yeah. going to be, it's our guards versus, you know, their guards, their right. our perimeter guys versus theirs. Um, and even the size thing, I mean, Santos Silva and Tyreek, I'll take those guys. I mean, they, yeah. They're fine. Like I have no problem going into a game with those two. Yeah, I agree. And I think Santa Silva, if we, you know, excluding the, the post guys on our literal national championship team, you know, mm-hmm. take out Tariq and Norris. Yeah. He, he's probably the best center that I, I can't, you know, post Bob Knight or yeah. he's the best we've had. He's, yeah. he's literally one of the best centers. Tech I can't that. think of another one really. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's kind, of, you know, it's kind of odd. Like people, um, kind of have a lot of emotions about us not having a traditional basketball lineup with yes. a center, a power forward. You know, where this is a team where we have, you know, we have one of the best centers that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, you know, both of the Texas and Baylor game, Texas with uh, Matt Coleman, and then um, Baylor with that uh, Davion, that uh, Mitch or Teague and I mean they've got some of the best like point of attack perimeter defenders in the country yeah and Matt you know they're going to be on Matt McClung and I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they're going to have a pretty good chance of stopping him stopping him from doing what he wants um so I could I I, I sense this might be a um a time for Kyler to kind of some of our other guys like we're going to need them to to make jump shots and to create and to just be really effective and productive in the half court. Because if they want to take away Mac, I think these teams can. Yeah. If they want to. Yeah. I agree with you. And it's a lot has been made of, you know, Baylor stole our defense or whatever. Um, Which they did. Right. And they kind of have better personnel to do it than we do right now, which is frustrating. The last Uh, two years, especially. But I wonder if there's something to the fact that you, I don't know. Is it like football and you, in the sense of like, if you practice against something all the time, are you, could you be better I at it? I have wondered the same thing. Yeah. You know, um, Texas doesn't really do it like us and Baylor, you know, yeah. like the extreme, but I've, the exact question for the Baylor game, I've wondered the same, like yeah. both, but it goes for them too. Right. Right. Like yeah. Both, yeah. both teams. If, uh, if they're going good on good in practice, yeah, this they're going to be seeing the exact same scheme that the other will be running. Right. I mean, so, um, but kind of evens out, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, great question. I remember, you know, we, we, we played really well in Waco last year. Yeah. I was oh, just thinking that. And uh, and we didn't really have any business to do so. <laughs> yeah. But we, and so I kind of, at the time was thinking like, maybe, maybe it didn't, you know, scare us, but also I think really though, we, we know what, our defense, what works against our defense, yeah. you know, I mean, we've had a hundred different coaches put on film yeah. their plan for attacking it. So we've, we've got a lot of information there about the weaknesses of it and, yeah. and what works and what doesn't. So, but again, I think that goes for, for right. Baylor as well. Yeah. We, so Nobody be, knows it better than Mark Adams. But, exactly. So you would think he would know the weaknesses better than anyone, but I guess, and I, and I almost wish it was a totally even skill matchup because it'd be really interesting. It'd almost be like, who is the better tactician at that point since we're basically the same. But anyway, we'll, we'll see it play out a little bit, you know, when we, when we play them. Uh, someone asked you on Twitter, if you were guaranteed a split these next two games, Texas and Baylor, do you take that or do you roll the dice? So – I'm assuming if I decline the split, then that means I ha- the only options are two and zero or zero and two. Correct. If if I if I wasn't if that wasn't the case, like if if you decline the split and you have to go zero and two or two and zero, I'd probably roll the dice. Yeah. Because I think there's probably a I, I did the Ken Palm numbers. You know, yeah. like I just multiply them. We have like a forty-two percent chance of going one and one. Yeah. So I think it's a about 50 50 that we at least win one yeah um, which would make me inclined to roll the dice but if i if the question was i have to take the split or we go zero and two or two and oh i take the split okay who okay then who would you want to which game do you want to win i would do uh the home game against baylor just because they're 
higher ranked. I want to yeah. win a game at home. Yeah. And also it's like the last game of the, of the pair. It's like yeah. I'd rather win the second one going forward than win the first and lose the second. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Although I would roll the dice, I think. I know going 0-2 would be pretty terrible, but the, the possibility of going 2-0 and is too enticing yeah. to not roll the dice. Because I think if you beat those two teams – kind of rolling and you're you're set up for like i don't know i uh, for a pretty good run here and you put yourself you put yourself in a good spot in the conference race going forward but i think we'll be in the i did the so if you do the you know beard always talks about quote unquote making the turn you know like after nine games in the conference season yeah that's kind of when he looks and sees where everybody is and what has to happen for so and so to win if you multiply the kim palm numbers we have a 26% chance of splitting and then going 2-0 and against, I think it's Iowa State and TCU, mm-hmm. TCU being, or being on the road. Yes. So that would, that would put us at 6-3 and three, uh, at the turn. 26% chance, 6-3. and three. Yeah. And that's what we – that would be ideal, right? Yeah, uh, that's true. Besides, you know, going 7-2. and two, But <laughs> right. if, we, if we can be 6-3 and three at the turn, we'll, we'll have a chance going forward. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good way to look at it too. All right. TT Daddy <laughs> asks. <laughs> I didn't think I would be saying that on a podcast today. Uh, we've seen Kyler with the ball in his hands and with the game on the line. Um, not always the best result. So going forward, game on the line, who's got the ball in their hands? Wow. McClung and to me. Yeah, but, that's that's but, my answer too. But we've talked about it. If some of these guys that they they can take away McClung. Yeah. You know? But I think first option McClung. Yeah. And um, second option probably Shannon. Right. Like, yeah. Shannon just has made some big shots too. Big shots in games that we ultimately lose. It feels like, but it it seems like he's got a knack for hitting a big shot. I don't know. Which I guess is kind of an oxymoron, but I don't know. It just seems like he's not afraid of the moment at all. I agree. Yeah, but I will say if there's like, and this is probably I'll contradict myself later. But if there was like um, a lot of time left, it would I might do Kyler over Shannon, right? Um, but with like maybe the intention would be to get Shannon the ball for the shot, but with Kyler kind of initiating that. Yeah. But that's assuming McClung is covered up, right? right? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, DTU Kevin asked. I think Beard is the best coach we will ever have, but why is he so bad at drawing plays up at the end of the game? Like, we, we didn't even get a shot off against Oklahoma State. Both times we had a chance. And this, is, this has been my biggest frustration, too, are those kind of draw something up, get a good shot. It seems like those and – in, and in basketball, those typically go poorly more than they go well – but it seems like they always go poorly <laughs> for us. And I'm probably not going to answer the question, even answer the question, but with the Oklahoma State one specifically, um, you know, we got the ball uh, and we needed a three and there was maybe like 15 or 20 seconds left. And, um, you know, we ran down and kind of sat around for like 10 seconds and then beer called a timeout. Yeah, and then yeah. we had our last possession. And then the, you know, post game beard was mentioning, like we practice and we instruct our guys in that situation, you know, immediately take the ball in an open floor, not a call a timeout. And and in fact, I think he said like Keenan would have looked at him like he was crazy if he called a timeout right there because Keenan would have sprinted down the court, got into the paint Mm -hmm. and there go watch our national championship game. Like people will collapse on you. Even if it's a three point game, you know, and find a shooter and like, that is the highest percentage way to get a shot off in that situation. Not calling a timeout, having someone go and take the ball, get into the paint, and then kick it out somewhere. Yeah. And we didn't do that. Like, we either didn't try, didn't know to do it, or just didn't work. Something happened because Beard called a timeout, right? Yeah. When Even though he, Beard knew in his mind, if I call a timeout here, we now have a much lower chance of getting a good shot. Yeah. You know, so um, – I that's what that's what we have to do it's you can it's it doesn't need to get to the point of us drawing out a play and at least in that specific instance the oklahoma state one you know we we screwed it up 
before Beard even had a chance to try to, you know, right our wrong, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and that was on Kyler. I think, I mean, I think Beard was pretty clear in the, yeah. in the post game. You know, like players have to go make plays. Yeah. And, you know, and in that, and he kind of let it be known that we had every intention and we instruct and we coach and we, our, our MO in that situation was for to not call a timeout, to not run a play and to have Kyler sprint down the court and make something happen. Yeah. You know, we didn't do it because the bottom line is when you have to, to take a, a three to end the game, to tie it from a side out of bounds, you don't have a very good chance of doing it. Yeah. Now you at least should make a, get a shot up. Right. Yeah, but that's just, the thing that drives me nuts. But bottom line is like we can't, you know, just there's these really low percentage situations and we're not converting. Yeah. Uh, we've got to do something bef- to get us away from even being in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's been, I think it's been a problem the past few years is just late game execution, late half execution. And, and then you look at like a game like Kansas where self draws up two plays, one gets a foul, one gets an easy basket. And and then you look at ours, that's Shannon going to his right, falling away, not a good shot. And, and you, I think it just kind of highlights that the issue that may have been underlying, you know, the past couple of years. But, you know, I, I, I don't know how to – like you probably had the best answer was just players need to make plays. And, you know, maybe it's an experience thing. Maybe – I agree. I know, agree with that too. Yeah, like, like, and, and how long has self been around, you know, <laughs> right. this is, and this is just kind of like anecdotally um, from my very limited basketball experience, which I haven't, I mean, it's my game was forged at the rec center at, at tech, <laughs> but if I was playing, you know, in that situation, when you play, when you've got guys that have played a lot together, they know what to do. You know, they, they know who's, who's going to be taking the last shot and there's no, you know, confusion about what's going, what's going to be happening, and when you have our our team at that at this point in the season, it's just hard for them, I would think, to have that kind of like familiarity with each other. Yeah. Whereas with Keenan, you know, like the South Carolina game on the road, the Texas game, his senior year, I mean, it's pretty much just get <clears throat> get out of his way. Like, right. We weren't drawing up plays. No, I don't think. Yeah. I don't. Not to my knowledge. Yeah. It was just. It was just go yeah. and. Or, um, you know, the one play, the one that I think we did draw up was that uh, the alley-oop to Zaire in Florida, the Florida game, yeah. you know, kind of at the end. Because um, I was trying to think of – We did it against Kansas, too. Yeah. When they like, under the basket, and it got an alley-oop to him. Yep. That kind of sealed it. Yep. But, and a lot of that is just Keenan. Was Keenan making a play? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. And I think that's it more than anything is if you've got a guy – like Keenan, because I think we even missed that in the national championship game. Just having a guy, here's the ball, please get a good shot. You know, and, and Virginia had some guys like that. And, and as good as, as Mooney and Culver were, they weren't quite Keenan as in get a, you know, get to the paint, get a basket, get fouled. Um, but I think that that's what you need in late game situations more than anything. It, yeah. If you just watch basketball, it's guys who can create their own shot, and get a good one when they want are the ones who succeed in late game situations. Yeah. I think uh, the Iowa state game, we won to win the conference. And it was, there was like a possession late in the game. It was like maybe two and a half minutes left where if we scored, it was going to be really impossible, really hard for us to lose. Yeah. You know, we were kind of wasting the clock down, not doing anything. And finally Culver goes to, goes to work. He dribbles it off his foot with like four seconds left. It just kind of, bounces miraculously to Brandon Francis who catches it and shoots like a 26 footer just buries it you know and it's like of course you know we made the shot and right. <laughs> it's just kind of funny like you know nobody some, remembers that one someone's got to go make a play yeah. even if, if it doesn't work out right uh, you could draw something up great draw something up terrible it could be executed horribly but it just it ends up coming down to somebody making a shot yeah. Almost always. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, would we have heard any of this if Shannon buries that shot falling away to his right? Probably not. Exactly. It's just what results. Um, so COS Raider asked, um, what have been our most efficient lineups offensively and defensively in conference play? 
And then he also asked, what has been our best lineup versus a zone? I don't know if you got that one, but I know you're looking these up before we got on here. Yeah, no, I don't for the zone. And, but, so, best offensive lineups. And, you know, there's some, some of these have had more possessions than other. So yeah. I'm going to kind of limit it to the lineups that have had a lot of possessions, right? Um, the best offensive ones are McClung, Kyler, Santos Silva, Shannon. And then for the fifth spot, it's, it's been either Burton or McCuller. So those are, have been our best offensive lineups. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then actually defensively, it's the exact same answer. Yeah. So those have been our best lineups. Right. So that's pretty simple. Yep. <laughs> um, these look like we got some rapid fire ones from Raid Raider. Um, who do you think will be the starters at the end of the season? Starters? Oh, okay, so this is kind of – I chuckle at this, the, the starter thing. You know, you, you hear Beard, and he, if you ask him about starters, he'll make a big deal. We don't really care about starting lineups, and we don't spend a lot of time thinking about starting lineups. And well, we sure make a lot of changes to our starting lineup. For not, for not thinking about it or not thinking it matters, we sure push a lot of buttons, it seems. I mean, we're literally – our. Some would think our best NBA prospect, we moved him, you know, from a starter to the sixth man right. in order to have someone else seemingly, I guess the theory is they play better if they start. So I don't know. We, we sure seem to not act, to act like we don't care about it while at the same time doing a lot of things to uh, purposely, you know, motivate guys through the starting lineup or move guys in and out of it. So I think that's kind of funny, but um so I, it makes it hard for me to answer that question because to me, you know, our best five, our best five is one of those lineups we, I just said, right. McClung, Kyler, Shannon, Kevin McCuller, and Marcus Santosilva. Yeah. Now, I think that's the answer. I don't, it, seems but it may like not be starters. It's yeah. like, we're never going to start. We're never going to start those five guys. Right. Even though that might be our, it's probably our best lineup. Right. I don't know why, but I'm, I'll leave it up to beer. I mean, he yeah. obviously knows what he's doing. So yeah. maybe, no, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about them, but we, we sure put a lot of importance into who's starting and who's not. Yes. Uh, number one area we need to improve, shooting. <laughs> Is it easy? Yeah, and I almost want to take that out because you can't, you know, right. shots go in or they don't go in, right? But um, Free throw shooting. But even uh, though you said that, I mean, that, that's been better. So I, I, it's just one of those things I remembered from early on. Let's look. Um, I'm still rebounding still worries me a little bit, um, but I think we're okay. There. So I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I, we have the lowest rim and three rate in the conference. So uh-huh. percentage of shots that are at the rim or three pointers. That were our offense or our, yeah. our Okay. That's not mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So we're taking, we're taking the highest share of non threes or shots at the rim. Right. So, I, I mean, that would be one thing. I yeah. don't think we're going to see that. Right. Because <laughs> I think it's kind of a product of our offense. It's yeah. kind of a product of our system. We don't seem to care a whole lot about that. The whole, the new era, you know, <laughs> only take shots at the rim or threes. I think it was against OU. Kyler pumped out of a pretty open corner three. That was frustrating. To take I mean, one step into the, <laughs> the three yeah. point line and miss. It's just like, what are we doing? But yeah, I mean, I think that says it all about the thoughts on that. Um, biggest surprise thus far? I mean, for me, it's the two guys transferring. Not necessarily that two guys wouldn't transfer, but the timing was weird to me. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. From from like an on-court perspective, um, I don't know. And I don't, this shouldn't be a surprise because I thought he was great going into the year, but I guess I just didn't realize like how good Shan- Terrence Shannon is. Yeah. But, I thought he was good. You know, right. I, I was not – That's and that's the surprise. Maybe that's why I'm so surprised because, like, yeah. I thought he was really good, and now I'm sitting here, I'm still kind of feeling like I didn't give him enough credit, like, right. for how good he might be. Because, yeah. I mean, he is um, – he does everything. Like, yeah, every single thing on the court. Mm-hmm. He He's what that. every NBA team is looking for right now. Like, yeah. you could – any NBA team would take – and the thing about him is, is he's still like, 
he's still he's gotten so much better with his right, but he's not a great like going to his right guy. Yeah. And um I think he's probably not as good of a shooter as his numbers like right now indicate. Yeah. But yeah. but like that's almost a positive for him. Yeah. Because because oh, yeah. how can he be this good and and still play with like you know only one hand <laughs> yeah. and you know beard has kind of been hyping it up i think to like frisilla and some of the tv guys like you know he was a football player in mm. high school and got hurt and it kind of derailed his high school like recruiting and and he's he's only a couple of years r- removed from being like a 100 percent basketball player yeah and so it's like how good can he be? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, biggest disappointment this far? Our sh- I'll, I'll go with just our shooting. Yeah. Just, I was thinking I, the same thing. Just disappointed that, you know, I'm looking at it right now. Um, let's see. We're in the 25th percentile on catch and shoot yeah. shots in the half court. We are 63 of 200. And the thing is, we are producing, just like we always do in a Chris Beard offense, we're producing a ton of these attempts. Yeah. Um, so that's good. It's, yeah. harder to, it's harder to produce them than it is to make them. Yeah. Because that's anyone true. can make them. Yeah. I mean, but, but it's, not, it's not that easy to produce them. And so we're doing that. Yeah. It's just, you know, I would have – it's, I guess, you know, been disappointing that we're the 25th percentile. You just got to hope that uh, we're a better shooting team. Than I think that. part of that, for me at least, is I ex- – and this is probably dumb on my part, but I expected more out of Burnett, PV, and Agbo shooting-wise. Maybe yeah, I shouldn't have, especially no. out of PV. But, you know. That might be fair. I just thought that those guys would just be able to shoot better. I think Agbo can shoot. It's just yeah. we hadn't seen it. Um Namari, yeah, and, and, and honestly, if you take out Namari from some of these numbers I'm quoting, we're probably not n- anywhere near as bad as yeah. what it is what we're showing. Right. PV, um, I think it was um, a lot of people probably had the same you know concerns about his his jump shot. Yeah, the form in. is weird, but I mean, PV's pretty good. He, he, he and like it's kind of using that same logic from Shannon to PV. It's like we have a true freshman who is pretty much not shooting the ball anymore. And he starts for us and is a factor. And, he, you know, it kind yeah. of highlights how good he is at other areas. He's another one of those guys, like, when we're playing defense, um, those Peavy and Shannon and McCuller, I mean, they can guard anyone from the entire length of the, of the court. And it's, um, you know, when you when – you, put them all together it's like they leverage each other if that yeah. makes sense like we're talking about pass rushers in football in football like if you have one pass rusher that's good if you yeah. have two it's like three times as good if you have three it's like five times as good yeah. you know they, they build on each other and, yeah and that's what that is the effect that pv and shannon and mcculler kind of like have on each other yeah. when they're all on the court at the same time it's like it's a it's a problem yeah um and the same, the same can be said with um, all three of those guys, like ability to rebound the ball and just immediately go, you know, they, because they can, they can all pass, they can all dribble and pass, you yeah. know, so whoever gets the rebound, it's just pretty much off to the races yeah. for us. And, but and that again, helps PV with what we're talking team. about with Baylor and Texas. Yeah. How effective is that really going to be against them? Yeah. Uh, conference record prediction. Oh, man. <laughs> I know I was about to have to look because what are we right now? Two and three and two, right? Yeah, three and two. So Kim Kim Palm projects ten and eight. Yeah, I mean, that's I'll crazy. go. I'll go. I'll go eleven and seven. Yeah, that's about what I was thinking. Although, no, I, I mean, I'd go twelve and. I mean, I'd go twelve and six. I, yeah. I, like because I said in the beginning, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I, I still am. I really think. Um, you know, and, in a month from now, we're going to be, a, a, you know, we're going to be hard to beat. But there's just a lot of teams in the conference who are hard to beat too. So it's hard to kind of predict. Yeah. How it translates. And then, and, you, and then just with COVID, I mean, heck, we saw with the Mavericks today, they go from, oh, Porzingis is going to play tonight to, oh, 
four players have COVID, you know, in like 30 minutes. <laughs> so it's like, I don't even know what's, what that's going to bring to the conference and all that. Um, most overrated conference team. Well, we're speaking of that and we're still talking about Baylor. Yeah. Now, Oklahoma, I listened to uh, the Oklahoma State kind of post-game stuff after they beat us and their players and Boynton were talking about how dialed in they were to play us on a seven-day prep. You know, they came back from Christmas practice and had just like a full seven days to just only to focus on us. And, you know, we played a game in between and um, both their coaches and their players kind of credited that long prep to them being able to have some, some success. Yeah. Now Baylor has their game against West Virginia canceled and it's kind of like, great. You know, we get to play basically three of our conference games now because Kansas had uh, about seven days too. Yeah. So it's like three of our first five or six conference opponents get this very irregular seven day prep for us. Whereas a normal year, it's just like, there is nothing like that. You know, it's just bang, bang, bang. But that's kind of unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. Extremely. And, you know, I was, I asked before we got into that most overrated conference team, I almost think that's Oklahoma state. And only because like, I I think they just go as Cade goes. And and I just think a freshman as good as he is, I I don't know. I, I just feel like, there's going to be some inconsistent games. And so, you know, they may look awesome one week and then not so great if he doesn't look that great. But uh, – and then most underrated conference team. Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 I think I agree. That's that's kind of where, where I was leaning as well. That Austin Reeves is good. Yeah. Like, he's, like, he's like a one-man – he's a one-man offense. Yeah. Man, you can just give it to him. He's like a, like a broke, you know, non-generational talent version of like Luca in that sense. <laughs> I mean, it's just you don't really need to do anything else. You just yeah. like hand him the ball, and he just like takes people off the dribble and gets a good shot yeah. from somebody. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, and then his last question was, "What are your thoughts on Trump?" <laughs> What? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. He did ask that. <laughs> you know, we're not going to get into that on this podcast. Uh, all right. Last uh, last question was from Jay Cobb, and he asks, he says, McClung, Shannon, Santos Silva, McCuller, PV, and Kyler. So basically that are six best players. He says, rank them where you have them today, and then how do you think that will change going into March. So kind of a lot. Oh, God. <laughs> um, He's getting you some work here. And ranking them in terms of like, – he says, he says, I'm not speaking from an NBA perspective or anything, just the best collegiate players for our team. Um, so hard because – Santos, we don't have a replacement for Santos. So yeah, I was, I was wondering about – Like, um, you take – like, McClung might be the answer here. Yeah, I was thinking that's, that's where I was leaning. He but was we, could, we could probably survive, you know, yeah. if, you, if we didn't have him. It wouldn't yeah. be – it would obviously be terrible, you know. Yeah. But we, we have other guys, in like, in the half court that can maybe do some of the things he does. Um, but I don't know if we should – I don't know if we should take that into account as in, like, replacements. Like, if we're just saying, like, here are – here are our six okay. best players. Put them in order, you know. Okay. That, at, at that, it's either McClung or Shannon to me. Just yeah. like yeah, I agree, Shannon or McClung, and then Marcus is yeah. right there behind him. Yeah. And then, well, God, Kevin McCuller, man. I know. Um, <laughs> He's just a good basketball player. <laughs> yeah, and he really might be. I mean, he just can't. His shooting is what keeps him lower than Kyler for me. He's the one that can. Um, could be the he's really like the only answer out of all these guys that could like make big jumps, yeah, you know, yeah. going into March. Yeah, because that's his thing. Opinion. His shooting doesn't make sense because he's a good free throw shooter. Like he should be a good shooter. Yeah, and have we seen him much? Um, you know, this year I know he worked on his shot a lot, or he says he has, or that's what the the theory is. Yeah, he's uh, he's zero for seven on threes. Yeah, that's what Four, I've noticed. Yeah. Fourteen to twenty-seven. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, you're all right. His, if he if he can uh, become a, I don't think it's going to happen. If he's not already, a, you know, a green light type guy, he's not. It's yeah. not going to happen between now and, and March. But yeah, um, it's hard to say. I, these are great questions because there's, and it's kind of why we're good. Uh, yeah. we've got some guys that um, if they're if they're all playing at if they're all if we're humming, you know, we're as good as anybody because yeah. of the guys we're talking about. And, and because of how hard it is for us to like distinguish between which one is the best one. Yeah. Because, like that's part of kind of what makes us, it's that leverage like concept, you know, that yeah. I'm talking about when, when you've got um, McCuller, Shannon, PV, Kyler, um, Mac, when any one of them gets a defensive rebound and <clears throat> within three seconds, we could be, doesn't matter who it is. We could be posting up Santo Silva and have one of the others in the corner, you know, that quickly. Um, that's what make that is what kind of gives us a uh, the ability to be lethal, right? Yeah. Like, um, it's that it's the it's Chris Beard. It's the yeah. uh, dribble pass shoot. You know, yeah. if you, if you can get five guys on the floor that can dribble pass and shoot, we're going to be a handful. And the shooting part, right? You just the shots got to go in because you can shoot, <laughs> the shots might not go in. Yeah, and you can be a bad shooter and shots go in. Yeah, you just got to got to have guys make shots. Yeah. I'm just thinking looking at this list. I think I think mine goes McClung, Shannon, Kyler, Santos Silva, McCullough, Peavy. And I don't think it would change in March. Like I think that's it. I feel yeah. And I feel like I'm not giving Kyler enough credit because yeah. um, because he's got it he's got it in him. He's had moments this year that haven't been great, but if you just think about Kyler Edwards. He is – you think about the last three seasons in, in the scale of tech basketball, where last year Beard says we, we were going to make the tournament. I don't know if we made the tournament. Okay, yeah. first time ever in, that we made the tournament three years in a row. And this year we seem to be on a path to make the tournament. So yeah. that would be first time ever four years in a row. And so you've got um, arguably, you know, Kyler's been on campus for – now three of the best teams in tech basketball history and on one of them he had carved out a role he played 20 minutes in the national championship game yeah and then the next year as a true sophomore he led the team in minutes played and then to this point as a junior he has led the team in minutes played and coaches tend to play their best player the most minutes yeah and coaches tend to know a little bit about their basketball team and their players capabilities and what gives them the best chance of winning and so it's just to this point to take out his statistics it's like Kyler Edwards is one of the best basketball players in tech history from from that standpoint because yeah. he's played the most minutes on the best three-year run you know for a player maybe ever or at least he's building that way it's like so maybe I'm probably not throughout this whole podcast, not giving Kyler. Cause he just does so many things. He rebounds so well. He takes care of the basketball. You know, he, while they haven't gone in at a very high clip, he can shoot. He defends great. I mean, yeah, he's a big reason of what makes us kind of a, um, that small ball lineup that, that we can roll out there because yeah. Kyler's so, such a great rebounder and such a great defender in, in the paint against yeah. bigger guys. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking about just replacing these guys. And, you know, you kind of laid out the case for why that might be Kyler. <laughs> like having to replace all those minutes and all those jobs, you know, maybe a little more difficult than it seems. But um, I think we got to tell the questions. You got anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. No. What are just, you, uh, give me your predictions for these next two games. I'm worried about the Texas game. I yeah. think they're good. And um, like really good, and they they're kind of like us. Like they haven't um, like Baylor has shot out of their shot unbelievable to yeah. this point, and so kind of wondering if there maybe is some regression for them that's like in order. Yeah. Um, whereas Texas has not as much as um, as you know Baylor, um, but you know they just have a lot of different. They can they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Like Texas can, you know, they can be slow. They can pressure 
defend, like the old school Shaka way. They can throw it into the paint. They've got a lot of shooters. Um, so with that, with that in mind, I would, um, you know, I'll, I guess I'll predict we lose by six to Texas in a close game we don't cover, and then I'll predict we you know, beat Baylor Saturday. Right. There we go. I always like to hear that. All right. Well, I appreciate it, your insight and getting to these questions. And uh, we'll have to do this. We'll do this more often as we get rolling into conference play. So, appreciate it. Yep. Thanks.